0: from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits statewide to strengthen Maine communities through grants and scholarships. On the web at maincf.org.
1: It's ten o'clock, and you are tuned to WERUFM eighty-nine point nine Blue Hill, ninety-nine point nine Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the towns with your host Ron Beard is up next.
0: operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. If you mentioned the sunbeam in mid-coast Maine, especially on the offshore islands, most people know that you aren't talking about the weather, but rather the iconic vessel of Maine Seacoast Mission. For over 100 years, the mission has been engaged in a social ministry in support of the island and coastal people and their communities. This morning, we're happy to welcome Scott Planting, the executive director of Maine Seacoast Mission, and we're going to learn about its programs. And later on in the program, we'll hear a talk um, by Robin Alden of Penobscot East, a talk that inspired Scott to think in some new ways, perhaps, about the region that um, Maine Seacoast Mission um, works in. So welcome, Scott. Good morning, Ron. Glad you could be with us. And uh, getting off Mount Desert Island and getting on Mount Desert Island is a little bit difficult these days. Um, I will uh, uh, ask you if you could just give us a little bit of background on Maine Seacoast Mission um, to, to get started, and um, then we'll, we'll go into more detail of, on your background.
2: Thank you very much. It's, fun, it's very fun to be here. I, I, I appreciate it very much. Um, the Maine Seacoast Mission… Um, it's a wonderful organization. Um, I've been the director now for, for two years, and it's really been a, a, a great, great privilege. Um, the mission is a, a community-based organization, and we provide programs in education and health care. Uh, we provide direct services um, and, and spiritual care. Um, one of the former directors uh, talked about uh, the work of the Sunbeam, uh, our wonderful, wonderful boat, uh, as um, a week to the east and a week to the west. And that used to be the the, the travel schedule. Mm-hmm. And we still pretty much do that. Um, a week to the west, uh, that's the boat traveling as far as Matinicus and Monhegan. And a week to the east is our program in coastal communities um, in Washington and Hancock County. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a huge area. Um, but we're, we're, a, we're a program that provides hope and encouragement and support for individuals and communities up and down the coast.
0: Hmm. What's the origin story? When, when did all of this start? This is over 100-year-old 100 It's 107
2: years old. There's a great story. Two brothers, um, Alexander um, and, and Angus uh, McDonald, uh, both pastors uh, on Mount Desert Island. Uh, and because of of their ministry, they got out to the outer islands they, 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 they tried they sailed around and they saw that these islands were very tough places uh, families were, were fishing families, farmers uh, lighthouse keepers and these were places literally without schools, without any sort of health care, no churches uh, people were, were were desperately poor. And the story goes that the two brothers were up on top of Cadillac Mountain one day, and one brother clasped his other brother and and said, you know, Angus, think of it, a parish of islands. It's just a wonderful vision as they kind of looked out around. Uh, Shortly after that, they borrowed $600 and bought a sloop, the Hope, and they set sail. And uh, I've read in – we have this great archive. And the story goes that uh, they talked about the reach of the seacoast ministry. This is like in in the 10s and the 20s of 1900, from from Kittery to Quadi. Hmm. Think of that. That's the entire coast of Maine um shortly after after the the, the sloop they, they they were given um a, a motorized vehicle and a, a vessel and after that um the first of the sunbeams mm. we're now on on, on sunbeam number number 5 mm. so we have this this long long heritage of serving islands and coastal communities mm. and and the message has always been sort of whatever it takes Uh, whatever the the kinds of needs are that that people express. Always very much a partnership with local communities. We just sort of don't go and kind of plunk things down. It's always having been a real close connection with island and coastal communities. That's our work is sort of, it's from being out on these places, looking around, talking, uh, that, that it's from that kind of conversation. Um, that the programs have developed over the years.
0: Mm. And you're not a stranger to rural places. Talk about your own path, and, and you work most more recently in, in western Maine.
2: I'm a parish minister, um, and I served a large parish with three churches in Franklin and Somerset County for 35 years. Mm. Uh, moved here, came to Maine in the, in the early 70s, loved it, fell in love with with, with small communities. Uh, we raised our family. Um, and then two years ago, we, we made the change to to coastal um, uh, Maine. So I've, it, it's been a, just a, a, a real joy. I've, I've served in beautiful places in, in the foothills and mountains of western Maine, um, and now communities along the coast. So I've, I've been very, very fortunate.
0: Mm. And that notion of rural in, in western Maine is slightly different, perhaps, than you're finding on the coast. But um, I think you've always had this interest in how the communities were doing, as well as how your parish might be doing.
2: Yes, um, the ministry has always been uh, community wide to to everyone. Mm. Uh, so, the the in in Farmington area, the Western Maine area, the parish was literally 500 square miles and included everyone. Mm. Um, and I learned so much. You know, I, I come out of sort of an urban suburban background. Uh, but but over the years, I learned so much from the people in, in these these small communities. Um, I, I learned things that I had never known about about the quality of communities of people looking after one another, and these really and, and this this sense of skill and how to make do mm-hmm. in often very tough situations. Uh, very very smart people, um, may, maybe not in in sort of the sense we look at today in terms of, of sort of higher education but but people that really understood how how the world worked around them how 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 nature worked how to make a living uh these were incredibly smart good caring uh people so uh early on um that's changed my life mm. it was just people took close care of us um and 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 loved us and and out of that I you know I I saw back in the 70s in, in western maine um sort of ways of life um that, that were really disrupted. The economy changed, people that had worked in the woods or had worked in mills and had sustainable lives in these communities, all that went away and, and was lost and people were really struggling. So sort of at the heart of um, um, the, the ministry and, and the work that we continue um, is how do you support small struggling com- communities that that often the world just sort of wants to pass by and there's so much uh, there that that's important and valuable and, and we'll be lost if, if, if we 're not, not not careful and, and respect these places,
0: so you spoke about um, the, the the skills, the kind of native skills, and um, the kind of that integrity of the individual. How did you see people coming together to work together um, on behalf of the community and those perhaps which, which didn't have uh, people that didn 't have as much?
2: Um, people loved their places. Mm.
0: Um, people had, you know,
2: there had been, you know, families there for, for generations. They loved and they cared and they knew these places and they wanted to hold on to those things. Um, so as long as you had a, had a sense of appreciation, um, for people's skills and what they've been going through. If you ask people to get together to talk about these concerns that were their concerns, people came together and mm. really wanted to work together and support one another.
0: Just mm. um, guess, um, guess for our listeners who might not be familiar with Western Maine, Take one of the communities in your parish and give us a profile or or a thumbnail sketch of what you would see when you drove into town, or you know, g- give us a picture if you can.
2: I, I think of a, of a community, North New Portland, Maine. Mm. Uh, people on on the way to Sugarloaf drive right through North New Portland, Maine, very fast. Um, <laughs> and and now it's it, there just there are a few sort of abandoned buildings, stores. Um, we have a beautiful, there was a, there's a beautiful church there that was built in the 1860s, a gorgeous building. And I spent like the last 20 years of my ministry working with the community to, to restore and rebuild that church because it was a symbol, um, of the strength and the quality of the workmanship, just the people that, that, that the skills it took to build that church were, were, were phenomenal. So in, we, we, Renamed um, the, the community. If, if you went north from North New Portland, it was just woods and then lakes and lots of lots of camps. Um, but but this had been a, been it had literally been called the gateway to the Upper Kennebec River Valley. The the, the gateway. So we, we kind of renamed uh, the community as as the gateway. Um, and, and lifted up the quality of life. This was a town that had had hotels, that had bands, uh, had a very vital uh, uh, wood turning business, small mills. There were river drives through there. There was a real richness, interesting interesting life. Um, and so rather than having people just look at it as, uh, oh, what a sad place it is. You know, the school had closed. The post office was closing. Um, it, had, it had gone through all kinds of loss, uh, rather than just sort of viewing it as this, oh, what, what, what a hard place. Uh, we kind of just turned that around and, and looked at the strengths and the qualities of, of that. You know, the things are not going to change overnight. But it gave people a sense, and especially for children in, in schools, this is a cool place.
0: Mm.
2: You know, like Benedict Arnold had gone through there on, on, on his way to Canada. Um, there was this rich history. Um, so just trying to lift up the, the strengths and the qualities and give people a sense of pride and, and hope in, in, in where they
0: live. Mm. So as you, um, you had this um, career, this wonderful um, sense of, I think, accomplishment from what you're saying, what um, drew you to Maine Seacoast Mission? What was the the thing that said, oh, I'm interested in that piece?
2: A L- lot of the same things, uh, Ron. Um, my, my my friend, um, a, a wonderful boat builder uh, in Southwest Harbor, Ralph Stanley. I, I, I was talking with, with Ralph about, about boat building, and he described to me how fishing boats, lobster boats in Southwest Harbor, are built different than lobster boats in Jonesport. And I said, Ralph, it's not that far away. How come? Why the difference? And he looked at me, as I've been looked at a lot over the years, and he said, you just don't understand, do you? You don't understand water. You don't understand being on the water. And what he explained to me is that fishermen in these two very different places had very different kinds of needs, and and their boats reflected that. Mm. I love that kind of knowledge that's very precise, very specific to a place. And it requires a, a, a great knowledge. People have to be thinking um, uh, about their place and how you make a living, and the boats that they build. There's a lot to that. There's a huge skill there, and and that's that's what I had learned about in Western Maine, and that's what what I see exactly going on here here in the mm-hmm. coast. And again, um, I, I just and Ralph sort of you know, he paused as He was talking about about building wooden boats, and he you know, he talked about he knew where where oak trees were where ash trees were, uh, where maple trees were, and he, would, he knew the guys who would go out and cut the wood that would be, be milled and then brought in to build his beautiful boats. That's his huge, interesting knowledge. And I think if we're not careful, and then, then Ralph would, would pause, and then he'd start talking about plastic boats, you know, fiberglass <laughs> boats, and very, very d- 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 diminished. He said, you know, each boat, boat you build is different than the other because you, you, you observe things, you see how they work. And uh, he just oh, fiberglass was just
0: right. it 's such a different thing that you you're building something that's made for purpose rather than going to a place and saying i 'll take one of those right exactly yeah, yeah we're talking to Scott planting with scott planting he's the um, executive director of Maine Seacoast mission here on Talk of the towns on WERU. and uh, Scott well, the next thing I wanted to learn more about is is the programs of Maine Seacoast mission. What are some of the things that um, you've you've kind of observed in the in the first two years and And uh, how does it all work together?
2: Uh, The McDonald brothers had this vision uh, to serve these islands, this parish of islands. And I think what really attracts me, and the more I get into it, the more I appreciate, is the leaders of the mission over 100 years have been people of vision. Uh, they have been very thoughtful ab- about their work and and their care. Again, th- there's no sense of of putting something on people. It's always been working really closely with people. Uh, one of my favorite people from the past is is um, a woman. Named Alice, or she happened, known as Ma Peasley. And the story was in 1918, one of the McDonald brothers took her out to a place called Crowley Island off Jonesport. And they, the mission had built a school, built a school, and they brought her out. She was a teacher, and they left her. They took her out in a boat and said, We'll see ya. And she describes beautifully, sort of looking back on a day kind of like this one where it's rainy and it's cold, as the boat kind of sailed away saying, Oh. Here I am, but her. We we and again we we had this great archive, and we have all of her letters and her, and everything is, is 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 preserved. She went on and became a teacher. And she worked from Crowley Island to Matinicus, mm. and one mm. of the things she she was working with a, with a community in Gouldsboro, and it was a poor community, didn't have much. And she was sort of thinking, how can I help support this community, and especially the women in the community who didn't have much? And she said they're all very good with their hands. I'm going to teach them to become to make hooked rugs, mm. and she taught them make these gorgeous hooked rugs, which were then sold to to summer people, um, and we have. Uh, these, these letters where uh, a, a woman talks about the, the, these, these beautiful rugs that she sold, and she said, I never knew I could make something of great beauty that was of value to somebody else. I never knew that.
0: Hmm.
2: And that's, that's real typical of, of the way... Uh, the mission works, mm. um, and and now we uh, a couple of those rugs are in the collection of the Farnsworth Museum and have been on mm. exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art in mm. the, in New York, and are just beautiful things. Mm. But again, there's there's this line of really thoughtful people who, working closely with the community, have
0: said, "Well, let, let's think about um, about that." Mm. So the the uh, programs now have have. Um, Grown out of those community connections, those community needs, um, couple different areas sure, that you work in now. Sure. and
2: and what what I kind of enjoy is we really don't do anything all that differently than we did hundred years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we, you know, the things, the, the, the way we deliver things are, are are of course different, but but still the very close uh, working with with individuals and communities. Um, the Sunbeam, uh, our, our our wonderful boat, and. Uh, to re- understand the sunbeam, you have to be on it to really, really get get that, get the, get the sense of it. Uh, we were down in Booth Bay Harbor this summer. And early in the morning, a lobster boat pulls up beside us in the fog and says, Sunbeam, you know, he says, hello, we haven't seen you in a few years. It's really good to see you. And the steward on the boat gave them, a, the, the crew uh, on, on the fishing boat, a, a, a bag of uh, sandwiches and some coffee, and they sailed off. And I asked the captain of the boat, Mike Johnson, I said, Who were those guys? And he said, I don't know. And he said, but probably their fathers and their grandfathers had had a connection of help with the Mm sunbeam, that there had been some place along the way that, that we had met a need. And, you know, the boat meets all kinds of needs. We carry food on board. We carry engine parts on board. Um, we are a coffee shop. We are a medical clinic. Um, we are a chapel. We are a counseling center. Uh, we, we are a place of hospitality and, and welcome. So that when we arrive on an island, and this is especially true in the winter, the boat's out year round. Uh, when we arrive on a, on a, on a Matinicus or an Ilaho or a French borough in, in, in the wintertime, and you know it's a, it's a small community. People come on, um, and and they're they're welcome. There's always food. Uh, it, it's a real center. And and again, the the fact that 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 their parents and grandparents and great grandparents there's this continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome. It's fun. Like kids come on board, and they know exactly what to do. They know where the cookies are. They know where the toys are. <laughs> and they just they, no problem. They just know exactly what to do. We were out on Frenchboro yesterday, and the school kids all came over for lunch. Mm-hmm. And they just, you know, they they hang out in the pilot house and talk to the captain, um, or or they just they find some find a game to do. It's just it's a very welcoming place. So that's really kind of. All we do is, is this, this high level of respect and care for individuals and, and communities and, and working, working very close.
0: One of the things that um, has been innovated, um, recognizing the need for medical care, um, you've used the Sunbeam in some really creative ways and your nurse um, practitioner going out to, right. to work with folks. Describe that sure. program.
2: Um, Sharon uh, Daly is, our, is a full-time nurse uh, aboard the boat. Um, Sharon's background is as a public health nurse. So she's very used to working with uh, whole c- communities of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this telemedicine system aboard the boat. And and with that system, what, what's wonderful about it um, is if 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 you're sick or you need need to see a doctor, you can come on board, and through this high-tech equipment we can connect you face to face through television with your doctor, your counselor, um, literally on any mainland hospital anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh so it's not an emergency service, it's a primary care kind of visit. Um but but especially for, for for fishermen where it would take a day or two literally to and they wouldn't go. That's that's sort of the bottom line. They wouldn't go. Uh, if you need to check up If if there's some chronic illness like like diabetes, you need to be checking with your doctor. You can you can just come to the clinic, sit down, um, see the doctor, do a primary care visit. And it's just like being in the doctor's office. Uh, Sharon's very good about getting the doctors to come out to the island once or twice a year so that they meet you, they know you. So um, people are very comfortable with sort of the the, the, the television interface. Um, the system is set up so that we um, have a stethoscope, an electronic stethoscope. We can do EKGs. We can do a pretty complete primary care visit. Um, the other part that's very useful is is in counseling. Uh, and education uh, if if you 're pregnant out living out on an island, you can do lamas and, and child you can join in a child care class through through television and again, for the first time, it says this is a little weird, but people get right into it and feel very comfortable,
0: something like radio
2: exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and then um, uh, more recently, a focus on youth, especially in Washington county called the edge program Just yeah.
2: a- again. Um, visionary leaders um, in washington county we have been providing direct services for years and years we providing home heating oil uh, clothing we have a, a huge food pantry um, and one of our um 12 years ago our board president ed greaves was concerned said that's all well and good and well that's important we'll always do that but can we be thinking about how to break these cycles of poverty Uh, What can we do to improve lives? Um, And his concern was especially for kids. And after, again, a very thoughtful study, we just sort of didn't go in and and plunk ourselves down and do this, after careful thought involving everybody, the, the plan was to start an after school program. This is really remarkable ron this is it's it 's like a Sunday. you've got to be there to experience it uh it's it's a it, we work in nine schools in washington and Hancock county and it's a two thirty to four thirty after school many of these other children are latchkey kids so they they would Go home, and there'd be nothing there. So rather than that, they go to. It's an enrichment program, and we have this incredibly wonderful staff of of, of young people who are coordinators in each of these schools. We work with local teachers and principals and superintendents, and develop. and it's really a lovely program. Um, the program begins with with a creative game, getting the kids moving, uh, sort of a healthy snack, and then these little kids have electives they can do something in the arts or in music or they there's cooking or there or there's homework help or lego robotics um the the whole sense is is that these kids are great that you're wonderful that that the world is open to you and the powerful thing is it's it's in public schools um, and then at four thirty, uh, we we provide busing to get the kids home. Without the busing in Washington County, in you know, huge distances, the, the the program wouldn't wouldn't work. Um, so it's just it, it's a way of of lifting up, building character skills, just supporting uh, the, these children.
0: And you've been operating that program long enough to to know um, how these kids um, do when they get to high school or perhaps beyond. So you're beginning to track. What does it mean if we could give kids support um, in a critical place in critical time? Yeah.
2: And uh, ten years, we just celebrated our tenth anniversary mm-hmm. last year. had had a big celebration. We have a we have a, a, a center in in Cherryfield, and everybody got together. Um, the leader of the program, Charlie Harrington, is a former uh, NFL football player. is a great big guy, and he's a huge man. And these little kids just. They just love him. They say, "Mr. Arrington, he just booms out," and and you can't just help but say, "Wow, I feel good when when mm. when I go when you go visit one of the school programs. No observers. You got to take your shoes off and be a participant and join mm. in. Mm. Uh, but we are making a difference. Um, we did in, during our annual audit. Uh, this last spring, uh, one of the auditors, very serious uh, young woman, CPA, uh, came into my office and wanted to talk about a program called the EDGE. What is this EDGE program? And she said, well, I grew up in Jonesport, and I was part of a program called the EDGE. Is it the same thing? And I said, yes, and I was sort of cautious, and you know, where was this all going? And she said, you know, that program changed my life. Because of that program, a scholarship to help me at Husson College, I went on to become a CPA and and now an auditor, you changed my life. Um, that that's that feels pretty good. Then she wanted to go on and talk about auditing. <laughs> <So> <laughs> let's get down to the, the numbers. That lasted about two minutes. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: So uh-huh. so um, so it's it's that notion of being with people, walking with them, sitting with them, and discovering their needs, and then figuring out how to get something done.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, with the edge program, the after-school program, we want to work with with families I, again. You know, on This is a Friday. Right now um, at our center in Cherryfield, we are packing up 150 backpacks. This is a small, normal, this is the edge yep. on a backpack, and it has food in it. And this is going to go home with 150 elementary school kids today. And that's going to be food for them and we know for their brothers and sisters and often for their families for for the weekend. We put it in a backpack because it looks like a backpack and it looks like... Your kid carrying a, a backpack of books home—it's not so. There's again the, the dignity. It'd be easy just to put it in a box of food or a bag and say here, but then every kid on the bus would know. Oh, mm-hmm. What are you doing?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but but again, the sense sense of of of, of dignity and, and care. So we're really interested in in providing uh, sort of a spectrum of care. Uh, you know, helping with w- with food um, to the after school program. We have a scholarship program to help help kiddos. And and now we're really interested in in finding ways to better support the the families. How can we help the moms and the dads? And and we can do that through um, providing direct services, but also things like budgeting, home repairs. Uh, We we want to provide a full scope of services to help. You know, it's building up the quality. Uh, of of people's
0: lives. Mm. Well, at this point, I'd like to um, uh, bring another voice into our conversation. It's a a colleague of both ours. Uh, Robin Alden is the executive director of Penobscot East. She's been a guest on Talk of the Towns in the Past. Um, But um, last spring, she um, gave a talk through the um, TED program. And TED, as I recall, stands for Technology, Entertainment, and what? Um, design. Um, it's a concept of bringing people together to hear really great ideas in a very short format. And um, there's a main chapter, if you will, um, t- uh, TEDx uh, Dear Ago, and uh, she appeared at one of those, and, and uh, we're going to listen to her tape, and then I want to get some of your reactions to to uh, her talk. It runs about uh, 12 minutes, 12 and a half minutes, so let's listen to that now. I'll just remind you, you're tuned to Talk of the Towns here on WERU, our conversation with Scott Plant about Maine Seacoast Mission and kind of musings of, about the future of Down East Maine. And right now we're going to hear a, talk, uh, a TED Talk from Robin Alden.
1: Sustain itself fishing forever. Imagine 150 miles of Maine coastline, 50 fishing communities, where fishermen and community members care for the rivers and coves and the mud and the seaweed. And beyond that, the fish and the habitat on the bottom of the ocean they can't even see. Imagine a healthy, resilient economy that is based on healthy fisheries. And over time, that both the economy and the fishermen continually adapt to an ever-changing climate and marine system, changing what is caught and sold, working within its bounds. Imagine producing high-quality Marine food for the world, at a fair price for the long term. Right now, in eastern Maine, this vision could become a reality in the next 10 to 20 years. Of course, it could happen anytime, anywhere, but we don't have much of a track record. As the saying goes, we've declared war on fish and won! But... There are some events coming together to make this possible. New science, several major marine and conservation initiatives, and an early promising process that is supporting fishermen to speak for the future. We need to have the vision and the smarts and the courage to make it happen. All of this insights that brought me here today started with a clam digger in Deer Isle. Um, I was 21, interviewing him for an article on clam laws. He was a clammer in his 60s. And he was mad, because nobody would listen to him about his ideas for protecting clams. As I listened to him, I heard things that Herb knew about mud about where on the flats the clams grew fast or slow, and where the spat, the little clams, uh, settled and what made them survive or not. He knew things I never knew that there were to be known. And he perceived things that I couldn't see as I looked out over that flat on that one low tide. And he cared. His knowledge and passion... This 21-year-old thought it was a pretty good place to start caring for the greatest manufacturing machine she'd ever been exposed to. Every single year in the Gulf of Maine, currents and sunlight and marine plankton combine and create resources for us to catch, seemingly something out of nothing. But unfortunately, Neither that knowledge nor passion has had an outlet. The result, the fishermen and the regulators and the scientists are locked in a legacy of dysfunction, ocean depletion, ocean degradation and depletion, alienation and frustration for fishermen, and hopelessness all around. What's been missing? It's herbs, knowledge, and passion put into action. Eastern Maine is where the pieces are coming together. 150 miles of coast, land, river, ocean, all interconnected, bounded on the west by the Great Penobscot River and on the east by the St. Croix, in between the famous Downy Salmon Rivers. Offshore, you have the coastal shelf, that shallow area within 25 miles of the coast where all of our marine resources reproduce and grow. Eastern Maine is an area with abundant lobsters. But, and I think some people may not be aware of this, the cod and the haddock and flounders collapsed over 20 years ago, and they have not rebuilt. Everyone's concerned about the fragility that this lack of diversity is causing. Lobsters, lobsters, and more lobsters, but where are those groundfish that are so important to the ocean and the economy? Well, there are things that are coming together to create the opportunity I'm talking about. Um, start with the coastal shelf. It has the coastal shelf from Penobscot Bay to Canada has recently been described as unique ecologically. And this may seem insignificant, but it's actually liberating. What it means is no more one-size-fits-all management from Canada all the way down to Cape Cod. And we have a chance to put it into action because federal managers are starting to shift toward managing by area rather than just by species. This is a huge, huge change. And it's a learning moment because no one really knows What it means to manage, do ecosystem management. This change will make fishermen's knowledge have new standing. Remember that complexity that Herb saw on that one clam flat? It is impossible to manage that level of complexity solely from Augusta or Washington. Fishermen's knowledge, their observations, and yes, their responsibility will have new value and relevance. But there's another thing, and it gets better. This area is about to experience a cataclysmic positive ecological event. This year, dams will be coming down in the Penobscot River, and for the first time since the 1840s, A 1,000 miles of river and lake habitat will be open to sea-run fish. Those are the fish like alewives or salmon that spawn in the freshwater and live in the ocean. The river is going to come alive. This river news is important because of the linkage between river health and ocean health. The rebounding river fish should drive a major marine restoration. So, back to Herb the Clam Digger. If these things happen and we don't enlist fishermen's knowledge and passion, they will not catapult us to a new and lasting fisheries economy. But how? I will tell you that mistrust and fishermen's pervasive sense of futility is the greatest obstacle we have. And we've thought deeply about this and have been developing a process to support fishermen in building the hope and the skills it takes to speak for the long term. We call it Community Fisheries Action Roundtable, Cfar for short. So how do you start, someone asked me. We start by listening, and we write it all down. And when we meet again, we share what's on that butcher paper from the last time and start there. there. After so many years of frustration, there is a lot of angst to be vented. We start by focusing on improving resources and finding solutions. When it's all a zero-sum game, it's really hard to have hope. And we talk about access, because if a fisherman or his grandchildren have no hope of getting the rights to fish, why care about the resources? We're really conscious about creating a safe space. It takes courage for fishermen to participate, because sharing your knowledge about fish behavior amounts to sharing your competitive edge. And if you speak up, other fishermen can be, da- can be angry, and that can really be dangerous if you have fifty dollars or $100,000 worth of Lobster gear sitting unattended offshore. We eat together. We avoid um, the standard meeting setup, because for many people, that conjures up the feelings of failure left over from school. We uh, ask questions about what's important about your fishery or your community, and we write it all down. These questions are matters of huge emotional impact to the fishermen. And what happens is what they say and gets on that paper become values that then can be turned into principles that we can, formal or informal, that we can touch back to as we have to confront difficult discussions about rules. Fishermen meet with regulators and scientists and We go along as guides. The dreaded government becomes either takes form. You know, you see federal, state, legislature, agency. Science gradually morphs into uh, away from being the club to beat fishermen with and into something about asking questions and testing questions. Very familiar to fishermen because that's what they do every day. As it goes along, we take questions and provide pr- perspective and support because it's, it's um, such a different world ashore than it is fishing. When you're fishing, it's um, clear cut. The hunt is engaging. The hierarchies are clear between captain and crew. And the rewards are immediate and tangible. As the fishermen say, the worst day on the water is better than the best day on land. And we're there for the long haul. It's a daunting responsibility. Because hope, which is what fishermen tell us we're get, that we are giving them, is really very fragile when you're not accustomed to the long collective process of, of back and forth ashore. And so I have hope that in the next 10 to 20 years, we can indeed build a new and lasting fishing economy in eastern Maine. The external uh, situation is set. We have this glimmer of hope, it's emerging trust, and I don't think there's a better place in the developed world where there's more chance to build a 21st century fishing economy that this planet needs. Thank you.
0: Well, that was uh, Robin Alden. You're listening to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. Um, that was a TED Talk, um, TED TEDxDirigo, uh, you can find more information if you'd like to listen to that talk again. And we're really happy that the folks at TEDxDirigo um, allowed us to use Robin Alden's uh, talk as part of our conversation with Scott Planting. Um, Scott is the uh, executive director of the Maine Seacoast Mission. A little bit later, we'll open up our phone lines. I guess I'll list that phone number right now um, in case folks are inspired or have questions. one 625-9378. That's, uh, give us a call if you'd like, One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 625 9378 Scott, you've um, um, heard that talk before, um, and you've made use of it. How have you made use of it? <laughs> um,
2: every um, Sunday for the, about the past three or four months, I have been... Um, Uh, speaking at one of the island churches or coastal main churches. And it's been a real joy just to get out. And and as as a pastor, that's a a great way for me to learn about a local community. Um, I heard Robin and um, another friend, Dwayne Shaw. Uh, Dwayne is the director of the Downey Salmon Federation up in Machias. And I was in a meeting with the two of them, and they were having this really lively conversation. And I looked at them, and I said, "What is a guy from Machias who mucks around in rivers and like spends all of his time pulling out old tires and cleaning up rivers. What is he so engaged with Robin Alden who knows everything about groundfish? What's the connection? I couldn't, I didn't understand it. So I asked them, they looked at me, you know, this is sort of another one of those, you don't know much. Um, (laughs) And they looked at me and he said, alewives. And that didn't help me a lot. And what about alewives? And they said, said, alewives are codfish food. Restore the, clean the rivers, get get river run fish going back and forth. You can restore the codfish. And then I heard um, Robin's wonderful, wonderful talk about fishing forever and this vision of restoring coastal uh, down east communities. And then she said we could do this in 10 or 15 or 20 years in our lifetimes. This is not hundred years, or, and, if, and you know, ministers like myself are expected to sort of talk about these visionary, high flying things, and people sort of discount us. But what I like so much about Robin and Duane is they are experts at this. Robin knows all the political processes. Duane knows about what it takes to open a river so that fish come back. They, 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 this is a, this is just not sort of pie in the sky. This is something that they actually know about. And that gave this this very powerful vision of restoring these communities. That that anchored it. And then, of of course, Robin's talking about the clam digger and good mud and bad mud. I just I love that kind of – that's all this local knowledge. And what's been powerful for me about this vision is our after-school program, The Edge. We work with 500 kids in all these down east towns. Really wonderful to open up the future to them. But what is that future going to be? Um, we, have, we have a scholarship program and so many of our bright and best kids are really good kids, get a scholarship, go to college and leave Maine. There's this huge loss because there's nothing, there's no sense uh, that I could have a really good life and contribute to my community in Washington County. So that's the, that's the connection for me, uh, what is the vision that we have for our children? What is the hope that we have for these small communities? Um, is it, are they just going to be sort of impoverished, tough places? Um, or is there sort of a vibrancy, a future, a hope? And what I love about the vision that Robin expresses is it's something people can know or understand. It's something we know about. It's connected to our history. Um, And it's based on this local knowledge. It's something people can participate in. So, you know, it's not a great – one of the things that uh, when you talk to Robin, like the Deer Isle High School is developing a curricula uh, in sort of marine science. So um, teaching local kids to be sort of part of this large vision because you're going to have to have some knowledge if this is going to go forward. You're going to have to have that local knowledge. You're going to have to know about fishing and boats and how uh, ecology. So many really interesting, rich questions. Mm -hmm. Um, So this really sort of opened up this great, very cool, interesting world of possibility for me. I I was out on um, Frenchboro yesterday. And uh, in that harbor are, are these old fish piers. And somebody called them ghost piers. I thought that was a great expression, ghost piers. And she said... We remember when there were codfish and these, these piers where there were boats and there were fish drawing out here and there was this really vibrant economy. Uh, I, I just love the sense of, of those ghost piers being rebuilt mm. uh, and, and, and codfish and, and, and lobsters and, this div- and the diverse ecosystem where, where everybody is required to make uh, this community lively. So mm. that, that, was, that was very exciting to me. So Hopeful.
0: that notion of, of of having a sense of place, a sense of history, a little bit like your work in in western maine um bringing people together to to talk about that, and that's what Robin is doing with um fishermen, that's what dwayne is doing with with um, salmon fishermen right. as a matter of fact and and uh the opportunity you see is is let's keep this conversation and enlarge it in yeah. some way
2: and 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 her key is says she listens she gets people together. And she listens and respects. Again, there's this, these folks have so much knowledge, and there's this rich, interesting, diverse knowledge. And you have to listen very carefully. And that's, when you honor people that way, that's news to them. People didn't
0: think I have that's a value. It's like the woman who said, I didn't think I could make something yeah. of, of value right. that was beautiful.
2: Right, because you know, our, our people in these communities view the world as just totally pass them by. Mm. That they have nothing of value or, or worth, and I think the importance of this vision is it's really locally based and it's possible that's 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 a, if the if communities can 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 work mm. together so that's exciting to, mm. exciting to. Um,
0: perhaps you've got some reaction either to our conversation with Scott planting or to the uh, uh, broadcast of Robin Alden's TED talk about the future of down East Maine and fisheries there. Give us a call 1-866-625-9378. so um, all of this work Work that you're doing is is uh, not government supported it's philanthropic um, how how do you make the connection between what you do on a day-to-day basis and the donors I can pretty much tell that you must tell stories
2: yes <laughs> the, the work is compelling um, and so that the, the stories are important and and I, and I think you there's an old proverb without a vision the people perish and I think having that vision that's real. Uh, that that's that's tangible. That that's measurable. That people can see and look at. Um, people support that that kind of work. Um, so we're, you know you're working with, killed, with with children in the edge. Uh, the work with the island community is is these are often they're very small communities, and and think of it, a community of fifty people. That that's, that's who you have to work with and that's where you, you get along that's the school that's and that's right. everything right. and and how can we our 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 job is just to, is to how can we support this small very fragile community uh, i have been it's very moving on these islands people are really passionate about keeping these year-round communities going, that's boy, that, that, there's, there's wonderful energy around that. So if we can provide uh, a place that provides a little bit of health care, keeps people on the island, you know it, it's, it's good when you have children, you can have contact with a pediatrician without having to go off the
0: island. So is there something that the island residents can help the mainland residents? kind of recapture that sense of it's really important to keep these places alive.
2: Well, there's a huge skill set about how to get along mm-hmm. um, and, and accommodate one another. When you think of 50 people, that's, that's the board of selectmen. Uh, that's going to be everything that, that goes to keep a community together is going to be among those 50 people. There's not an outside group that's going to come in and do it for you. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a, that's a, that's a really interesting that, and, and again, a sense of where we, we can make this do. And this is, this is the whole history of these places. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's never been a time when somebody else came in and did stuff for you that, that you really have to maintain that. So there, there's an, there's an inner strength an inner quality to life. That's very powerful that I, that I think we, 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 we can learn. Just quick story. Um, the island schools are, are K to 8, uh, and then, then the kids go to the mainland for high school. But some of these 8th grade kids have their own little lobs- – have, they have a lobster boat and have their own businesses. You know, they they, they, they they know how to run a boat. They know about the sea. They can keep a diesel going. These are skilled 8th graders, and yet for some reason when they go to the mainland, there's a sort of a sense of intimidation about the mainland kids, or or the, or the mainland kids, you're just an island kid. Well, these island kids have this incredible knowledge about how the world works that the mainland kids have no idea about. So, one of the things we do with the sunbeam is get kids together, and just you know to talk and and have have fun together. Um, so there is a real richness about this island life. There's something worth holding. It's it's uh, is when 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 Robin talks about Herb, herb, herb the Herb uh, the the clam digger. It's that knowledge of of good. Good mud and bad mud and just Mm. how things work.
0: Well, I've heard Todd West, the principal at Dare Island um, Stonings High School, talk the same thing. Yes. How do you you engage um, a young fellow, mostly, um, in a classroom when he's got a $250,000 boat and he's making that pay and and making it work? Right. What's what's the dynamic? And I I imagine that that dynamic is there when you're working with offshore island kids and um, mainland kids. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. Really,
2: so so it's it's fun, interesting, but but again, our our work um, is just how we can provide. The islands supports. How can we, we help this community? We don't do it for them. We don't replace anything. But it's how can we, we be of support? So the boat in the winter is a, is a community center where everybody can come on have you know and just that being together and and, and the kinds of conversations that go on mm. are really really valuable.
0: I'm going to ask you about any challenges you see ahead, um, but I'll just list our phone number time. We probably have time for one phone call this morning. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 625-9378 as we talk with Scott, Planting about Maine Seacoast Mission and musings about the future of down east Maine. Uh, Scott, as you think about, um, you've got kind of two years um, under your belt in, in at Maine Seacoast Mission. What are some of the challenges that you imagine having to kind of lean into, face into um, in the next two or th- five years? Um, in, in Washington County, there's real interest
2: in in building communities. We have a Sunday evening program called Table of Plenty, and people of all walks of life really – and this is just one of these things that just sort of happened. We didn't mm-hmm. decide, what well, we're going to do a Sunday mm-hmm. program. People just got together. And we have people from the head of the table and from the foot of the table, all walks of life. Who, you know, fifty to one hundred people who get together every Sunday afternoon to share food, and you know, various groups provide meals. And you know, you know, you know, folks at the lower end um, on, on on food stamps say we want to contribute to this too. We don't want to be just the ones who receive. Mm. So we, we also want, want to participate in, in, in this. So there's a real interest, and this is kind of the, the, the growing edge in our work of, of, of getting, you know, people really like to get together, talk. They have music. It's fun. There's storytelling. And it's those kinds of opportunities. You don't never, it's my experience, you don't know where those are going
0: to go. Mm-hmm. It's like Robin saying, somehow we've got to figure out how to put that knowledge, that local knowledge, into action. And having those safe places to have right. those conversations are uh, the places that lead to the right. the, the confidence that right. we can take action yeah. together. So
2: it, it's you know it's it's important to hold up this vision that these are good strong places. There's a re- there's interesting there's 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 great people here who have huge knowledge. How can we hold on to that and? Y- y- it's it's sometimes the work is slow. Sometimes it, it, it results don't happen real fast. But you just got to got to got to keep there and say we are with you and keep you know putting that vision out there. So I see my job and 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 the great staff of people I, that I work with sort of holding up a vision, always keeping it in 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 front of people, especially if, when 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 there's conflict or life get gets rough. But you just got to keep holding. It's important to hold that up in front
0: of mm. people. Mm. So, um, as we begin to close close the hour, um, you've got a board of directors. Um, you've got a, a budget. Um, all of that comes from donations.
2: Yeah, we we're 107 years old, and people have. Been, we've been very blessed. We have a, a substantial endowment. Uh, the, the, the the funds from the endowment uh, pay my salary, and and. That that's kind of – they pay the, 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 the operational kinds of expenses of, of overhead of, of, of staff. And, and then we also have a very strong donor base, so very, very, very generous people. And that money um, – the money – and it comes in – it's interesting, Ron. When I was in, in western Maine, I'd visit older families. I'd, I'd visit an older woman, and she would have a stack of Seacoast Mission bulletins. From like the 30s. And she has been given five bucks to the Seacoast Mission for the last 60 years. Mm. There's, there's, there's this very, and we get those every day. Mm. Um, and and what, what I'm really grateful for is, uh, is people write little notes. They say, we saw this. This is really good. Thank you for sending the sunbeam out. Really appreciate that. Um, uh, t- this afternoon, part of my job is all new donors, I call up and thank them. So on Friday afternoons, I have my list. And I just and it's all these you know, these five dollars and ten dollars and thank you and or this goes to a food pantry, thank you so it's, it's my job just to say you're really important to our life. Uh, thank you for your support
0: mm. So besides um, donations of, of uh, dollars, are, are there ways to, for volunteers to get involved?
2: Yes, we have a—actually, our, our oldest program is a Christmas program, and we, we, we give out about 15,000 gifts to about 4,000 people in Washington and Hancock County. Uh, we work with every group imaginable. So Christmas gifts call in. We, we, we take—we uh, really appreciate uh, gifts, support. Well, what's on about the Christmas program, every gift that goes out from the Seacoast Mission— is wrapped in white butcher paper and red string, and it's been done that way for 107 years. So we have these these wonderful photographs uh, of the former Seacoast uh, Coast, uh, the, the Sunbeam captains, going to an island with with a with a, with a bag of gifts in there, in white butcher paper with red string, and they're all alike.
0: So somebody uh, has to wrap those. I they do. They those do. are volunteers. We have
2: lots of groups. It's very very fun. Come uh, Advent and Christmas time, with lots of groups come in and go up to this wonderful third floor. And um, that's where Mrs. Christmas is, and that's where all the work goes on. So oh, that's it's, great. It's really fun. How
0: about contact information? How would folks learn more about Main Seacoast Mission?
2: Um Give me a call. Our our office number is 288-5097, 288 um, 127 West Street in Bar Harbor. We have a beautiful place. And stop by and say hello. We, we love to have people. Or if you're Northeast Harbor and you see the boat, stop on. It's, you know, one of the nice things is we don't lock things up. Yeah. And so your people are, are, are welcome and again, that sense of hospitality and, and welcome is, 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 is who we are.
0: Oh, well, that's great. Well, I really thank you for coming by today, thank you. Talk of the Towns. And, and thank Robin for um, she couldn't be here in person, so we had her by, by tape and uh, got that, that uh, TEDx uh, top. Um, next uh, uh, two weeks from now, we'll be featuring um, the folks who put together um, Betting the Farm, uh, Cicely Tyson and Jason Mann. And uh, they want to remind us that uh, they're showing Betting the Farm on October 13th. That's tomorrow at Real Pizza in Bar Harbor at 2 p.m. They'll be up in Farmington on the 13th at 2, 4, and 7. Colonial Theater in Belfast at 7, and uh, down in Rockland on the 18th at 7 p.m. They have a website, and you can find out more about those films, but we'll be talking with them on the 28th. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Bond Lane House Highland Music Recording. Thanks again to our guests this morning, Scott Planting of Maine Seacoast Mission, and uh, by pre-recording, Robin Alden of Penobscot East Resource Center. Uh, Thanks to our underwriters at Maine Community Foundation. Thanks for Amy Brown and Joel Mann this morning for tactical support and engineering. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. On
2: Sunday, October 21st, WERU.